You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense, and I am your host, Doug Thorpe. Today, we're going to take an interesting journey. My guest is a gentleman named Ben Albert, and Ben, among many things, considers himself the question guy. And that caught my attention because I am a big fan of the idea of staying curious. And when you're curious, you ask questions, and hopefully it's not perturbing questions, but rather insightful questions that maybe can move a dialogue to a new level, move a relationship to a new level, and hopefully create some breakthrough ideas that you never had before. So I packed a lot in there, Ben, uh, high expectations. Uh, are you up for the task? I'm up for the task, and I want to humble myself to say, you know, I joke I ask questions for a living. That doesn't mean I'm the end-all, be-all expert guru on this kind of stuff. Part of asking questions is asking questions of yourself and being a student. Uh, so I'm a student here really looking just for a dialogue and not to act like the preacher or the expert today. Yeah. No, you're right. And uh, that puts you right in the, a great place. You're in good company here, I think, uh, coming at it with that mindset. So first let me ask Ben how how did you kind of come to this place of revelation and understanding that uh, has put you on the path you're on right now yeah I wish there was it, it makes for a great story to have that you know snap aha moment light comes down and you get the message that never happened I mean most of my life uh, honestly I was a quiet kid I was very reclusive. Um, I wanted to be a basketball player, but I was never going to live to be over 5'8". Um, so as I played sports, uh, sports, I got bullied a lot, and um, I was small, and I made myself smaller, and I learned how to avoid conflict, and I learned how to read a room, and I was observing the, let's just say, popular kids when I was younger and observing what they were doing, but for whatever reason, I had a limiting belief that I wasn't like them, and I just felt different. And I think part of it was a disconnection that was occurring at home. Um, no fault to, to anyone, but my father had a drinking issue and my mom had a neurological disorder. So there was a lot of rifts in the household and a lot of disconnection there. And I got better over time to kind of detect when my father was stoned and when he was drunk. And I got really good at hiding in the shadows as a curious person most of my life. Nowadays, I feel like it's a gift because I know what it feels like to kind of feel disconnected. And I have this element of curiosity in this growth mindset that I realize now that I developed at a very young age. But at the time, I just felt like I was never going to get out of it. And nowadays, I feel like it happened for me. So the short version is I feel like the curiosity just kind of happened on accident. But I'm very happy that it occurred. And, and that's a little bit about my life story. Yeah. Well, uh, kudos to you for working through that and sharing that with us. Thank you. I, I think that means a lot. Um, you know, as I'm reminded, everybody's got a story. It's just some are better at 
handling it and, and dealing with it and adjusting accordingly and taking the learning from it rather than letting it continue as a limiting belief the rest of their life. Uh, so again, kudos for that. And uh, this word curious, I'm, I, I love it. And there's a now, at least in my mind, famous uh, scene in, in the great sort of cultural revolution of Ted Lasso. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? So I've never watched Ted Lasso, but it's on my to-do list for oh, a long time. I currently don't get it on my devices, but I'm thinking about purchasing it um, but because I know that it's incredible. So haven't seen it, but I, I the stage is set. I'm curious as to... Well, there there is a scene, and I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but Ted is the you know underdog coach of this soccer team in, in the UK, and... He got hired just with no knowledge of soccer. He was an American mid-tier football coach. He had, he had had some success at like a, a Division three football school and uh, caught the attention of the owner. And anyway, long story short, there's a scene in a, in a pub and he's confronting the, the bully in the community and challenges him to a dark tournament and everybody's going, oh, you know, Ted doesn't know darts. There's no way he's going to win this. And this other guy's a local and he's been playing darts his whole life. And, you know, Ted finally does this soliloquy about being curious and I'm going to leave it at that. But it's it's a classic clip. If you hadn't watched the whole series, go to YouTube and just type in Ted Lasso curious and you'll get the scene I'm talking about. It's 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 classic. I mean, it is just exceptional and uh anyway the only, I doug, doug that's the one of if not the only scenes i have seen because a youtube channel used it in like a breakdown once and i did see that that specific scene is incredibly memorable so i do encourage people to go check that out right right and my point in bringing it up it, it hits mm. home this idea of in a modern fast-paced world I think it's easy to lose the idea of genuine curiosity. And we think we're absorbing information as we're mindlessly scrolling through our social channels. But are you really curious? Is there something in your business, in your life, in your personal relationships that needs more, needs to be taken to the next level. And I think the answer to all of that begins with a genuine curiosity of what do I need to know about this thing? What do I need to consider? How can I open my lens of, of perception and, and find new information to consider? It's, it's profound. I, I think a lot of times if you're scrolling, it's one thing to do research. So if you're looking for a specific piece of information, you do research to find that information. That's a research kind of thing, you know, data entry, just scrolling to find the right information. The curiosity comes into play when it's how am I going to take this information and integrate it into what I'm doing? That requires curiosity. Anybody can scroll or Google search and do research, but the application of the research or the understanding of what you found is where it can get extra fun. Yeah, 
Yeah. So how do you see it play out, Ben, in, in the people you've been doing some work with lately? Can you share sort of some scenarios and situations where this has made a difference? Yeah. I mean, if, if I'll talk about a client example and then with I host a podcast as well, five and a half technically. So a lot of curiosity and questions there, but specifically like working with clients and um, being consultive and trying to be a Sherpa and a guide and not square peg round hole every conversation. You know, we're going to talk about needs. Um, for example, I have a client that wants um, Instagram videos made and they want to run traffic to a landing page where they can intake and basically fund people. Uh, they, they do funding for businesses. They can get you business loans. Um, but we're getting attention through building his personal brand through content. No one wants to be advertised at all day. This man has a million stories of working with some of the most popular rappers and celebrities of all time. We're going to tell those stories and he just happens to have a business. That's, that's the second part, driving traffic to his brand and then to the business. So there's a lot. We need to get to know the business. We get to know, have to get to know his stories. But I also need to get to know him as a human. A big thing about Rob, the, the client example I'm using is Rob is very directly aligned with the Alzheimer's Association. He loves golfing and his family means more than anything to him. So I understand his business goals. His business goals are great. But because we ask those questions that instead of just saying, what's this going to do for your business? Well, what's it going to do for you personally, though? I understand that by him scaling his business, he can spend more time outside on the golf course with his family and speaking at events for the Alzheimer's Association. So by funneling revenue into his business, it's doing more than just raising the gross of his income of his business. It's giving him the capacity to do the things he loves. And I wouldn't know that if I didn't ask. And it's really that simple. And it's asking that question, what's it going to do for your business? Okay, we got that. Well, what's it going to do for you personally, though? And a lot of times people will be like, well, it's going to help me with my business. No, no, really, though, like, how's your life going to change? And allowing them to tell you so you understand where they'd like to go. And then there's a little bit of actual rapport aside from I like golf, you like golf, too. We get to see each other's vision and reach it together. And it's kind of common sense, but I feel like people skip a lot of those little steps that that I said there. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. The uh, you know, the classic scenario I run into as I meet up with and start working with small business owners, they are simply overwhelmed if you want to pick a word. <laughs> They've if if their business has any kind of success whatsoever, there is inevitably just this tremendous sort of load that they're carrying. There's all these things that have evolved and they've allowed themselves to get sucked into. And, you know, the first body of work we've got to do, and, and I ask those same kinds of questions, you know, it starts with, so let's just stop for a minute. Why, why did you start this business? What was the vision? What was the dream? What was the purpose that you intended? And it's sometimes interesting to think the answer to that is not so easy. You know, sometimes somebody got really busy with an idea, turned it into a business and never thought about all that other stuff. 
It's true. You can have success without having this perfectly defined brand with a purpose and a why and this and that. Um, but asking these questions and have these conversations, it's like, wow, I started this business because I saw a need in the market, but I didn't realize that I really wanted to have more time. I wanted to be my own boss and have more time to actually make decisions for myself because my you know child plays basketball and I like to be there for his games and the business allows me to do that. And just by asking these questions of the people around us and even better of ourselves, we can get clarity. We didn't even realize we were kind of going through the motions and just asking the question can provide more clarity on, on the purpose of what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this in, in yeah. the, in the realm of asking yourself questions, I've had a little bit of experience believing, and, and I've, well, I should say I've come to a belief that some of the methods and ideas that we all can come up with are going to land in, in different ways, depending on someone's natural personality, the, the, the personality they've evolved into. And um, it, it's not as simple as a function of introvert versus extrovert or, or whatever. But um, my, my point is, there are often moments where I thought we're with a client, I'm having a great discussion, then all of a sudden there's kind of a some switch or some tripwire that gets run into, and it all sort of stops. And mm. it, and what I've observed is that it, it comes down to a variety of personality that I'm dealing with as to how far they're willing to take some of these thoughts and ideas and, and you know, lean into the possibility of some change and improvement. So does any of that make sense? <laughs> Did I? It, it, it does make sense. I think we all have um, blockages in our life. We hit plateaus. We uh, and, and literally just doing a little self-work and it sounds fluffy, but journaling, even using a guided journal that asks some of these questions of you and doing some of that inner work is going to provide a little bit more clarity. But beyond that, as an outside third-party perspective, if someone seems like they're in a dark hole or they're stuck or they don't quite know, they maybe have imposter syndrome, they're, they're confused, you can't should and shame them into being like you. You can't be like, you need to do this, 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 and this, you're right. doing it wrong. Really what I find the best way to actually get through to somebody is to be who you are, be authentic with who you are, be willing to be vulnerable and ask questions and actually listen. So instead of telling them you need to journal, you're just a person there with them to lead them and consult them into finding the own answers on their own. Or they can observe you osmosis kind of pick up, wow, this person seems like they're pretty authentic. He, he started talking about alcoholism and all these things. It's like, uh, Ben Albert, me, who I am, I've gotten a little bit of success, but I'm just an ordinary dude. I'm just an ordinary guy with ordinary issues and ordinary family and ordinary problems that just happens to start doing some extraordinary things. So 
I'm open to tell my story in hopes to give people permission to tell their story, but I try never t to tell someone exactly what they need to do because right. I don't know them well enough to know what they mm -hmm. need to do. So the inner work is huge, but as a third party perspective, it's listening and asking questions to sometimes people, or I'm this way, um, they're verbal learners that just answering the question or give them light bulb moments that would have never came if it was just them in a piece of paper. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. In the in the topic of questioning, let me let me bring up another idea and area. And I, I run into this a lot with some of the more senior executives I've had a chance to work with. And this is kind of moving out of the small business realm and more mm -hmm. into the corporate. Um, I've had occasion to deal with some executives that are genuinely lifelong learners. They're, they are just incredibly curious. They are voracious uh, consumers of information and content. But the general pattern that goes with this is they drive their teams nuts because of their questions. Okay. And uh, the thing that I've advised and suggested to them to try is a technique I call bookending. It's not just simply walk out, confront somebody and drop a question on them because that can be prone to just create a whole lot of uncertainty and chaos. If, if the boss asks a question, gets an answer, turns around and walks off in no other context, mm -hmm. no other... So I use this technique I call bookending, which is to make a short statement, kind of a segue into the question and sort of level set and say, you know, hey, uh, George, I know this is a new initiative. We've only been at this for about a month. Uh, what can you tell me about X, Y, and Z? And then you get the answer, but then you, you put the backside book in together by saying, you know what, that's exactly what I needed to know. I, I, I'm curious about something, 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 and, mm. and help reveal what it is you're really thinking about to eliminate the uncertainty that you would have dropped on your employee because I have seen it happen so many times. And, you know, once upon a time, I'm sure I was guilty of it. Sure. Big Boss has a request from the headquarters and he goes out to his team, starts asking all these questions without any context, without any bookending or segues. And then he walks back in his office and does his work and does what he needed to do with the results he got. But the team is sitting there going, are we doing something wrong? Are we is are we shifting gears? Is something changing? You know, and all this uncertainty spins up and it's very unsettling for teams when the boss does that. So long story to, to ask you, any any thoughts or have you had in your spirit of questioning, do you get people kind of shocked and surprised and then have to do some recovery work after that? Yeah. So, wow, so many ways we could take it. For, first off, I, I love this bookending concept because um, first I kind of want to mention how everybody's different. 
that's why they take your fingerprint when you get in trouble it's because it's unique and every human's unique and people have different personality types so the person that's coming in and asking a quick question that might necessarily it might not be coming from a negative place we just need to step back and have the curiosity to be like oh why why did they ask that question it seemed like uh, i don't know but they might be direct straight to the point type a just trying to get things done and just lending a little bit of grace to know that you might have to be a chameleon in certain scenarios is just how life goes the one thing i definitely want to say and why i like the book ending is I don't know anybody who um, doesn't like words of affirmation. Now you can talk too much and it's, I do it all the time. It's like, Ben, get to the point. My girlfriend's total opposite. She wants me to just say like one sentence. I want to give her the entire story. It's just how it goes. Get to the point. But in general, just, I love the book ending concept because let's say something was late. I like to first assume I assume we're aligned in vision and give the person opportunity to disagree. So you could be like, I know you want to see this company successful because this project's going to help us all move up the ladder. A am I wrong? This is important to both of us, right? Yeah, it's it is important to both of us. Yeah. One thing I noticed was this X, Y, and Z came in late. Um, what is the reason that it was late? I'm just curious. It's not the end of the world. Let them give the reason. Depending on the reason, you can ask a question like, can you see how this creates a little bit of friction that, you know, we wanted our client, we, we promised this to our client, we were late. Since we both want to reach A, which we had previously agreed upon, which is the big vision, I believe it's important that we do the best to just not let this happen. And if so, ask me questions along the way so we can we ensure there's communication. So that's kind of a word salad, but it's like you said, you bookend with an affirmation. I know that you're on board and you're looking to crush this. I do not have anger towards you for being late, but let's solve why you were late so it doesn't happen again. And then there's communication there. And a good problem to have is they communicate to you too much and <laughs> that's a great problem to have yeah. but when there isn't communication and one person's barking orders another person's just taking orders and then when the person who takes orders fails and the person barking orders doesn't show the empathy to listen then you've got a issue in your structure that needs to be solved business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too and the first step is going to dougthorpe.com dougthorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them you can find health wealth and happiness by learning to lead others to health wealth and happiness go to dougthorpe.com now and order doug's books or hire him to coach your managers that's doug t-h-o-r-p-e.com no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I have seen that happen just so many ways. And you're right. There's a lot of different ways we can take this conversation. What's going through my mind is uh, I've actually had this question come up recently several times. People are in leadership roles. They're, they're worried about how to have those difficult discussions with people on their team. Most managers I've ever known are not natural conflict agents, you know, uh, conflict resolution and, and dealing with the 
you know, the uh, what should I say, the, the regular likelihood that something's going to go wrong and you've got to deal with it, yeah. you know. That's just, on one hand, it's part of the territory. Nothing is going to be perfect at all times. So as a leader, you you do have to step in and have those tough discussions sometimes. It's not comfortable, but one of the best things I encourage leaders to do is be sure the environment on a day-to-day basis is healthy, such mm-hmm. that when you do have to have the more challenging discussion with an employee, it's it's not just the thing that has emerged in the whole landscape. There's a lot of other good and positive that's been happening around all of that. And if, you know, one way I said it to one owner one time is if, if you're making money right now, what's wrong with that? I mean, you know, you're, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean just topside revenue. I mean, literally making a profit margin and moving the business forward. That's a win you ought to be able to celebrate. Now, is it as, as rich a reward as you're hoping for? Maybe not, but it's still positive. So, you know, everything is not bad around your environment there. So elevate the thinking about the positivity that is there so that when you do have a need for the negative, you can mix that in without it becoming such a, a tremendous burden to everybody. You make a good point because I don't think we're ever going to be perfect or hit our goals exactly how we expected and have this joyful moment that we've accomplished exactly what we dreamed. That doesn't happen. And so we need to enjoy those little tiny wins every single day. Even on a bad day, it's like, oh my God, part of my wins is this entire department didn't explode and we can get through this. Like uh, the wins can be small, um, but celebrating those small wins for yourself and then celebrating those small wins for your team members as well is huge. So you make a really good point there. And there isn't any end destination. It's a constantly evolving process. And it's very humbling. And I'm grateful that I get to be part of this crazy process in this crazy world called the United States, uh, the world called the United States. I'm silly. This crazy world called Mother Earth. And I get to be in the United States living this complex. It's just it's there's so much to be curious about in almost every second of every single day just open your eyes and look at something there's something to be curious about but we need to learn to celebrate those wins in our life and in the lives of our team to create that culture of winning and curiosity and constant growth rather than if we don't hit b the whole world's coming to an end like if we don't hit b it's gonna be all right guys we're moving. We're moving. Right, right. I somehow feel obligated to ask this question of you, and that is, how much is enough? Is, is there such a thing in this realm of curiosity? Because on one hand, and I'm extrapolating now, I could see a, a person that, that sort of gets excited about this notion of being curious and asking questions and maybe even just really takes off in a a whole 
other direction, taking them far away from what it is they're trying to, to do and what they're trying to be about. In other words, chasing the bright, shiny object is, is what it's often referred to. Yeah. And any thoughts on how to, is there such a thing as needing to temper your curiosity appropriately? It's a very good question. I think two things are coming to mind. First off, we, you've heard of analysis paralysis, right? Right. So you can consume information in an infotainment uh, manner and always be learning and always be curious and always be interested. But if you're not implementing any of these new learnings and teaches, teachings into your life, you find yourself in analysis paralysis and nothing gets done. So there is a blend between, there's a fine line between learning, curiosity, growing, slowing down to speed up, asking a question and being like, time to move. We need to implement now. If you're in, let's say a war zone, curiosity is good, but you need to make quick decisions based on what you've learned and based on your training. Um, yeah. the, the other thing that kind of came to mind, I butcher his name. I'm going to get it wrong. Hopefully someone can correct me, but Mihail Tsitsikhai, um, he invented the concept of flow. And basically flow, um, simply put, is that state where you're just like, it's like what just happened to me is not flow. <laughs> you're not stumbling. You're not muttering. You're not, you're, you might have a little bit of anxious nerves, but when you go into that dance, when you go into that speech, when you go into that presentation, that sales presentation, when you go in to complete the work, the creative task, it just flows through you. And how you have that moment where it flows through you is a direct balance between the difficulty of the task and your competency to complete the task. So when you have that perfect balance of the task is pretty difficult, but I have the exact competency to manage this, you have a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear, but you go in and you fall into flow because you've prepared for that moment. So the more difficult, the higher competency you get, the more difficult tasks you need to take on to maintain that fulfilled flow enjoyment because if you're high competency and it's not difficult, you're bored. And if it's very difficult and you're low competency, you're frustrated and you're stressed. So the beauty is finding that balance. And I'm kind of shifting to bring this on to curiosity and learning, but at some point you're high comp competency in what to do, but if you're not taking action, you're going to be bored. And the other end of things is if you don't know what to do and you have to take action, you're going to be stressed. So I don't have a perfect answer. It's in everybody's life, but it's at what point am I learning and being curious, curious and asking questions? And at what point do I take action? And if you can find the balance between learning, curiosity, taking actions, and when to take action on what you've learned, that's where I feel like you find fulfillment in being a student and a teacher and a doer. But what's difficult is the fingerprint. Every one of us is different, so it's going to play out differently in every single one of our lives, which makes it very difficult for a leader, but gives you another thing to be curious about. <laughs> Everybody yeah. on my team's different in yeah. one way or another. 
Yeah, and that's a good word, and I'll I'll say it a slightly different way, but Please. I think it is incumbent on leaders to be curious in that way to really learn who the individuals are on your team and humanize the work, and and that's that's kind of a a modern wave I think that has begun and is continuing to gain traction. The and call it post-COVID hangover or whatever, there's no denying that the modern workplace has changed. And it's changed because of everybody's new expectations they've got about what work is. You know, work used to be a destination. It's someplace we went, we did our thing, and, and then returned home. Now, not so much. I mean, with all the possibilities on remote connecting and, and remote work. Now, I know there's a lot of jobs that are still boots on the ground on the job site and have to be done, but so much other work that's going on, particularly in the service businesses, uh, you don't have to be in an office to do it. And that sure. has totally shifted the landscape and exacerbated the challenge that leaders have to connect with their teams and understand who their people are and what they're dealing with. And, and back to our original point, be curious about how they are. And I want people, if, if there's a comment section or if they can send you an email, I'm curious about how the listeners handle scenarios like this and the remote hybrid work and how they manage teams. I'll be the first transparent person to say, like, I have a podcast, I have a marketing firm, I do a lot of consulting. I'm a sole proprietor with freelancers. So a lot of the listeners tackle this head on far more often than maybe you and I do. So I'd love to hear their their opinion as well, because <laughs> they're the ones that handle it first on. I, I handle it a lot less than possibly yeah. some of the listeners do as well, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. Uh, when you're a sole proprietor and you're dealing with freelancers, there's an argument to be made that at some level, you kind of don't care what sort of day they're having. You've, you've got a task specific that you're asking to be delivered. You're going to stack a couple of those together. If they work well, you're going to keep going. If they don't, you just find somebody else, right? <laughs> it's a little bit mercenary sounding to say it that way, but... Yeah. Um, I know it. I know it well because that's uh, you are right. That's how I do a lot of my business is with freelance talent that helps augment things that we, we've got going on. I think I've got five of them in the queue right now. If I wow. if I'm remembering it right, different different pieces I've got moving, but um, no, it is it is different for the person that's got the bona fide responsibility. And it, it was interesting. Uh, I was doing some executive coaching at, at a big global brand, and I was dealing with some pretty senior executives, but the challenge was for them to create a personal development plan and then take it one level up and have it reviewed. And it was very interesting. The When we got to that three-way meeting with the senior most executive to present the plan, um, my client had taken everything pretty personally, you know, and said, here's what I need to do, da-da-da, you know, here's my things. And the big boss said, you don't have anything on here about developing your people. He said, I want to challenge you. I want to see you have 
an allowance for a commitment to developing your own people. And if that leads to some training and learning you need to do to get you there, then that's okay. We'll talk about that separately. But, you know, my big vision is we've got to do a lot more to help develop our own people at all levels. And so I thought that was, that was very insightful by this senior executive. And yeah, ironically, it, it turned out a couple of days later, I had another one of my clients who likewise reported to this guy. And when we got online, he, he said, he grinned and he looked at me and he said, Doug, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? And I said, I sure do. <laughs> and uh, we had that discussion all over again, but it was a good one. It's, it's Javon McCormick. So Javon McCormick, modern leader, he is a great person for people to learn from when it comes to just loving on and treating every person in the company as, again, I almost said the word asset. He doesn't treat people like assets because it's, he treats them like family. It's their tribe. And people like to say, you know, um, profit product people. Well, the people make the product, the people make the profit, the people are everything in our company. And the better we can develop our team members and our family members as if they are family members and not just, you know, checklist revenue numbers, the better they're going to be empowered to kick butt. And the worst that'll happen is you train them so well that they leave. And that's a great problem to have. I'd rather them leave because they've outdone the position and I don't have space for them. I'll find space for them. But I'd rather that happen than have people leave because they feel like they're not being developed. Absolutely. That's the yep. worst position to be in. People are leaving because you're not developing them. I agree. I agree. Well, I'll tell you what, Ben, on that note, I think we're going to wrap this up. I've really enjoyed having you here. Thank you so much for your input and everything. I, I enjoy this is a different if people want to listen to like podcasts I've been on. This is a tremendously different discussion. So I really appreciate you holding it. And um, you got me thinking. So um, <laughs> I'm going to continue to think about this once we turn it off. Well, that's great. Well, Ben, uh, tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in connecting and learning more. Yeah, so two steps. Step one, so simple because it's already right in front of you. Wherever you're listening or watching or consuming this, leave this man a review. Doesn't even have to be a long, lengthy review. Maybe you just hit five stars, hit subscribe, hit thumbs up. It's already right in front of you. How you find me and I have a marketing firm, so if this doesn't work, please someone let me know because I'm not doing my job. Just type in Real Business Connections. That's the name of my podcast. That's the name of my podcast, Concierge Firm. Real Business Connections, exactly how it sounds. Type that in wherever you found this. You'll find me there, and uh, we'll start a conversation. That's great. Well, we will have that in the show notes, folks, as always. But uh, one last time, Ben, thanks for sitting in. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, we are, <clears throat> excuse me, we are going to wrap this up. We're going to uh, have a video version of this over on YouTube. If you're listening right now on your favorite streaming service, I always like to remind people we are over there on YouTube, a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Would love to hear from you and learn more about what you're doing and how we can help. 
So for now, I'm going to sign off, say goodbye, have a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.